think that letter writing is something by and large today that I think is an, a form of communication that's been lost, and if not lost, severely uh, reduced in popularity. Um, I can probably, I, I can't recall ever like having a conversation with someone over letters. The only letter writing that really exists for me is thank you notes, which I mean is still good, a good form of letter writing, but it's not a conversation. We have, with the advent of social media and email and text messages, there's just all these different ways to communicate, to put stuff out there, to engage in conversation, to do whatever. But it's a, I think there's something fundamentally different about the distance and the time and the thought that goes into writing a letter versus all these other ways of kind of instant communication. A lot of times, at least for, for me whenever I preach, I tend to focus more on the first reading in the gospel because there's usually a connection there and the second reading, if it gets mentioned, is just kind of passed over, a little one-liner or something from the second reading. Um, but today I want to focus on the second reading, which by and large, almost every week, the second reading is a letter. It's a letter either from St. Paul or St. Peter or St. John to a particular person or to a particular community. The letters, I don't just write a letter to this nameless person and just kind of say what I think. I'm writing to a person to say something in a particular situation. And so today, for example, the second reading is a letter that St. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, to the Philippians, a church that he founded. And he couldn't obviously stay there because he had to found other churches. So he's writing letters to them as he hears things about what they're doing and what's on his heart as he prays, speaking to them what they need to hear, offering them a particular kind of encouragement. So not all of Paul's letters are the same. Sometimes the community's not that good, and so he needs to kind of kick, give them a little kick encouragement to do better. Sometimes it's just a, a letter of gratitude and an affirmation of what they're doing. The Philippian church was really more of the latter. They were actually a very good community. St. Paul, at the beginning of the letter, what we heard today was a kind of a little bit of, of in the middle. The beginning of the letter is, is just St. Paul affirming them. They, he sees them as real participators with him in the mission of the gospel. They're supporting him. They're praying for him. They're being like a real community of discipleship. And so St. Paul in this Philippian letter is is generally positive. He doesn't have to kind of criticize them much. He affirms that where they are and what they're doing, they're doing all the right things. They're, They're doing good. And what we heard today, I think, is the encouragement to remember that discipleship is not just about doing the right things. Discipleship is something deeper than just doing all the right things, which I think is something that's very important for us to hear today. That being a Catholic, being a Christian, being a disciple of Jesus is not just doing all the things, right? We have the Mass and the Rosaries and the prayer time and youth formation and adult formation and small groups and all these ministries, and all those things do not equal discipleship, which I don't, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do all those things because obviously we should come to Mass. We should pray and, and you know, do things like pray the rosary, participate in, in, the, in the church life in various ways. But all those things, all of the doing of the right things doesn't add up to discipleship. There's something under that, underneath that. There's a purpose for all of those things. Which is why St. Paul calls the Philippians to, to kind of pick up on this. There has to be a why behind the what. If I don't know the why behind what I'm doing, 
then eventually it's very easy for what I'm doing to just become a mindless habit. We just do it because I, that's what we've always done. That's what we do. This is, we, don't, we don't really question it until that moment comes where I realize, well, why am I doing this? And if I don't know the why, then it's very easy for the what to just kind of fall away or for the what to become the focus. I stop at the what and don't go beyond remembering the why. And St. Paul is calling the Philippian church to remember the why behind the what. Don't forget why you're doing all things, all these things. Because he says, if there's any participation, if there's any solace in love, if there's any participation with the Spirit, remember this, do this. Have the same mind and the same love have the mind of Jesus Christ. The purpose of all the things that the Philippian church is doing, the purpose of all the things that we do in terms of our our faith life and our spiritual life is so that we might have the same mind and the same heart as Jesus Christ. That's why we do all these things, that we might be fully united to him, not just in the things that we're doing, but in the entirety of our life. If I have the same mind and the same heart as Jesus Christ, that means I'm seeing not with my own eyes, but I'm seeing with his eyes. I'm thinking not with my own thoughts, but I'm thinking with his mind, with his thoughts. Not something that's self-centered, but on something that sees the other person as better than me and that puts the other person before me. Jesus was one who, though he was God, emptied himself. He gave himself. He put the needs of all of us before his own desires, and he gave, he died on the cross. And because of that, God exalted him. That's what St. Paul says. The mind of Jesus is one who puts the other person first and acts out of that. So the why behind all this stuff that we're doing is so that we might have that, that same mind, that same heart as Jesus which may bear fruit in all these things that we do. But all the things that we do have to be directed towards that and have to flow from that. Because if it's not, then I'm just doing things, either for my own sake or just because that's what we've always done. Encouragement for us today from St. Paul is to never forget the why behind all these things that we're doing. It's that I might be united with Jesus that I might have the mind and heart of Jesus and then act out of that. All the things that I do are fruits of this intimate relationship, this intimate union with Jesus Christ, who desires that relationship himself. I think that's what the first reading in the gospel do remind us of that as we're striving to do that, there's going to be plenty of times where we say no. I chuckle at the, at the gospel because how many, I'm thinking, how many times have I, oh yeah, I'm going to do that, and then I don't do it. Or how many times I say, no, I'm not going to do that, but then eventually I feel bad and say, all right, I should do it. Right? We're very fickle people. We say what, we, we say what we're not going to do. We don't do what we say we're going to do. The message is that even if we said no, we can still turn around. We can still convert. We can still move back and accomplish the will of the Father. Jesus, and almost in a sense, it doesn't, he doesn't care that the Son said no at first. What matters is that he acted, he had a conversion of heart 
because of that, of that, that prick of the conscience, that union with God, and he acted out of that. So no matter where we are today in our, in our, our spiritual life or in our, our human life, whatever we've done, we can always convert. We can, we can always seek that union with God. Nothing stops us from doing that. Nothing disqualifies us. And God, in fact, desires that. He, he delights in these little areas of conversion that we experience in our own life. That's his, that's his desire and his invitation for us. So that question to reflect on, what's the why? Don't ever forget the why behind the what. Why, why am I here today? What makes me come to Mass? What makes me pray? What makes me do any of the things that I do in seeking my relationship with the Lord? The more that each one of us can have a, a deeper answer to that question, why am I doing this, that's going to be able to um, allow me to unite myself at where I am closer to Jesus and then allow all the things that I do not be a habit but be a fruit of an intimate relationship with him. What's the why? That, that question is something that we can, we can, none of us can afford to miss out or to skip on. Amen.